How many times have you been to a place where you've looked to find someone famous that's buried somewhere? Could you say you've done that in the past? You go to look for someone in particular and say, oh, I'll see where their final resting place is. I go to see my grandparents, took my wife one time to London. I can't remember the name of that church we were in, but people are buried right under the floor. Famous people, Lewis Carroll, the author of uh, Alice in Wonderland, places like this. And you know what's amazing about all these places? Or even if you go to see uh, Civil War heroes that are buried somewhere. Have you ever been to Grant's tomb in New York City? Have you ever seen how they buried Napoleon in Paris? Anybody here? It's phenomenal. It's the most amazing tomb and burial I think I've ever seen in my life with angels that are all around his, his tomb staring at him with their wings out. And I mean, for the most part, you think the French weren't crazy about this guy, but well, I tell you, when you see how they buried him, you'll think different. Uh, when you think about all these amazing things, you could go to any of these locations, and I guarantee you, the bones of those people are in that burial. But if you go to find the final resting place of Jesus, this is the one time in earth's history that you will realize He is not there. He is not there. That tomb wasn't big enough to hold Him. That tomb wasn't strong enough to keep the, uh, the power of death on Him. That tomb couldn't pull off what it was supposed to do. Hallelujah. It's supposed to be forever an eternal resting place and it wasn't big enough to do its job that day. Hallelujah. So when you look for people, when you look for these people that are dead from the past and you know that their remains are there, today's sermon is titled, Look for Jesus Among the Living. Hallelujah. You don't look for Him among the dead. And you know how... We were just came from uh, Utah. We spent the weekend in Bryanhead. We must have passed a bunch of cemeteries along the way. And you know what's amazing about those cemeteries? They're probably growing every single year. A little bit more, a little bit more, more inhabitants coming in, or not, not inhabitants, but people that have passed away. But let me tell you one thing. Jesus wouldn't be an addition to any cemetery. And what we are doing here today... What we are doing here today, taking the time out, taking a moment to remember Christ, to remember His blood spilt for us, to remember His body that was given for us, to worship, to hear God's Word, to spend time listening to songs and being able to practice for eternity for ourselves and learn to be like the angels and worship God eternally. This is the day that shows you what eternal significance is all about. Amen? Not what when we go back to our lives and we worry about the cost of gas. We worry about how much food is going up. We worry about all these things. We worry about what we want to do. All these things. This is the moment of what eternity is all about. What we're doing right here and now. And that's why we look for Jesus among the living. Hallelujah. I'm going to read to us this morning Luke 24. Luke 24 verse 1 through 12. And I love how Luke places this. 
He puts this in context and he starts it this way. On the first day of the week, and this is an important week for us, amen? On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Great song, brother. Peter got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Father, thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you call people. Thank you, Lord, that we hear your voice, Lord, and we respond. And we say thank you for your son, Christ Jesus. Thank you for Luke 24, Lord God. In Jesus' name, change our lives. Amen. What a passage of Scripture. Isn't this phenomenal? You might think it's something we read about all the time, but truly, this is one of the most amazing things, if not the most amazing things, I I should say, that's ever happened on this planet. Don't you love Earth, too? Do you love this planet? I'm digging this weather. We were just in Brian Head, not, not far from here. I was telling you some of, about it, some of you about it this morning. Navajo Lake, have you ever been there? It's all frozen over right now. It's amazing. But there was this one moment we left the hotel, and I wasn't supposed to go the one way out of, the, uh, of Brian Head towards Cedar Breaks because it's all snowed in. But I thought I would test it to make sure that they're telling me the truth because I thought to myself, why in the world would they not snowplow this? So instead of going the long way around to Parowan and then back to Cedar City, we went straight through towards the area that's marked off. And sure enough, there was a lot of snow and the road was definitely snowed in. But there was one little turnoff right there. This turnoff is about a 90-minute winding road that kind of connects towards Duck Creek and then could connect to the road back to Cedar City. And I thought, do I dare go on this road? I don't know this road. It could be worse snow. It shows that it's open, but I'm not 100% sure this is the right way to go. Well, we decided to give it a try, a little fearful. We gave it a little try, and we started driving it. And it was nice and open. There was still a good amount of snow. But the amazing thing was, it seemed very desolate. You didn't see much. 
You saw the snow. You saw the trees. You know all those lava rocks that are out there? You know what I'm talking about? Piles and miles of lava stones that are just crumbled and desolate everywhere. And I thought, why are we not seeing anything alive out here? (laughs) But my wife, like the rock and the jungle cruise, started spotting things left and right. Have you seen that movie? She started spotting things. All of a sudden, she said, slow down, there's a wild turkey. Boom, we hit the brakes. Here's this bird out there just walking around. We saw a turkey. Boom, then all of a sudden, a little bit later, she sees this thing called a pronghorn. Do you know what a pronghorn is? It's not as cute as a deer. It's like an antelope thing. She spotted it. And then I spotted finally something, because I wanted to spot something too, some kind of bluebird. Bright blue out there. And you know what made me think of this? In this desolate area out there, being able to spot life, I thought of these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. He is the God of life. Hallelujah. He is living. Amen. And we get to see all that he's done. Praise the Lord. This morning, a friend of mine told me these words. He said, They thought they killed him forever, but he lives forever. Praise God. Isn't that true? They thought they put the final nail on that coffin. They thought they rolled that big stone in front of that tomb. They thought he was out for the count. Done. And he goes to show them that not only that, but he is alive and goes to build a kingdom even for us to have a place in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's why what we do here is eternally significant. Amen. And may I tell you this morning, as we worshiped God, as I felt overwhelmed by God's Spirit, let me tell you, there is a word called surrender. Do you know this word? There is a word called surrender. Jesus surrendered his own life to the nails and the cross. And I'll tell you today, if you're not serving God, it is time to surrender, hallelujah, your life to the God that holds you in his hands. And you know why? Because it is nothing but pure love. You're surrendering not to anything scary. You're surrendering not to anything that will harm you. You're surrendering to love eternal. Now what a thing to surrender to. Amen. And all he does is say one thing to you. Respond. Amen. Respond. The women responded to the death of Jesus. Peter ran to the tomb. Responded. And you know why you're sitting here today? Because we are called, amen? We are the elect, hallelujah. You think all the fancy people are in the casinos or getting the VIP treatment up in the rooms or getting the comps in the restaurants? No, the ones that are the most fortunate on earth are us, hallelujah. The ones that come to know Jesus Christ and come to have a place found in Him, hallelujah. I thought of these words today as well. Since my friend said they thought they killed him forever, but he lives forever. You remember when they put him in that tomb, they probably thought these words, it is finished. We'll be done with this Jesus. We'll crush this movement right now. 
It's over. It is finished. But you know who said it's finished? Jesus decided when he would say the words, it is finished. And he decided to say those words when his blood was spilt for us and sin was removed from us. Then he said, it is finished. The redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. They thought he was finished, but he would be the one that decided that. Praise God. Billions look for things in life. Do you know people that are searching for things that will make them happy? The next purchase, the next vehicle, the next home, the next spouse, the next whatever you want. All these things, the next boyfriend, the next girlfriend, the next uh, moment of just pure joy, whatever it is. People look for lots of things that aren't eternal, amen? But what do we do? We look for Christ Jesus. And sometimes I would tell you what they thought putting Jesus in that tomb would be like the final resting place or the final prison for that body of Jesus. But let me tell you this morning, I wanted to read this to you because we remember the words of King David. And and, uh, he said this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So the pastor says it this way, Come with me to the most populated prison in the world. This facility has more inmates than bunks, more prisoners than plates, more residents than resources. Come with me to the world's most oppressive prison. Just ask the inmates and they will tell you. They are overworked and underfed. Their walls are bare and their bunks are hard. No prison is so populated. No prison is so oppressive. And what's more, no prison is more permanent. Most of the inmates in here never leave. They never escape. They never get released. They serve a life sentence in this overcrowded, under-provisioned facility. The name of the prison, you'll see it over the entrance, rainbowed over the gate, in a cast iron letters that spell out the name of this prison, W-A-N-T, WANT. The prison of want. You've seen her prisoners. They are in want. They want something. They want something bigger, nicer, faster, thinner. They want. They want. They don't want much, mind you. They just want one more thing. One new job. One new car. One new house. They don't want much. They just want one. The disciples didn't want Jesus to die. You recall that? And when they have the one, they will be happy. And they are right. They will be happy when they have the one. They will leave the prison when they get the one. But then it happens. The new car smell passes. The new job gets old. The neighbors buy a larger television set. The new spouse has bad habits. The sizzle fizzles. And before you know it, another ex-con breaks parole and returns to the prison of want. Are you in prison? You You are if you feel better when you have more and worse when you have less. You're in this prison if joy is one delivery away, one transfer away, one award away, one makeover away. If your happiness comes from something that you deposit, you drive, you drink, or you digest, then face it, you're in a prison, a prison of want. That's the bad news. But the good news is you have a visitor. And your visitor has a message that can get you paroled. You make your way to the receiving room. You take your seat in the chair. 
You look across the table and guess who's sitting there? The psalmist, David. And he motions for you to lean forward and he says, I have a secret to tell you. He whispers, the secret of satisfaction. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David has found the pasture where discontent goes to die. It's as if he's saying, what I have in God is greater than what I don't have in life. You think you and I could learn to say the same? And I'll tell you this morning, I wanted to send this story to our ears today because if there's anything I want you to want, it's time to want Jesus. Hallelujah. It's time to want the resurrected Christ in your life. Amen. We want to see Jesus lifted high. You know that song? We want to see Jesus lifted high. The tomb was too low for him, amen? And he is now living on up. Remember, we used to see that show in the 80s. Who was it that was moving on up? Jefferson, George Jefferson. Jesus is moving on up, amen? That tomb was too small, so let's follow him this day, amen? Our first point I wanted to mention this day, and I'm going to read it off the board because I rewrote it. The resurrection of Jesus is the kingdom of God speaking to earth. Do you ever say, I don't hear the Lord. I don't hear him speak. I don't hear his words. I've never audibly heard him. Well, let me tell you one thing about the resurrection of Jesus. This is the Father speaking right into your life. This is the Father speaking louder than ever before into human history, breaking right through into human history. This is God speaking the loudest. Amen. The resurrection proves that the kingdom of God is not only breaking through, but talking into earth's history. Hallelujah. Thousands of years, prophets, they prophesied that a Messiah would come. We've all heard the stories. That happened thousands of years ago. The earth witnessed the kingdom of God making its, making its presence rooted in the everyday lives of the world and in our lives. Hallelujah. Jesus was the promise and the beginning of the final work of God's kingdom on earth. Don't you love to know that God's talking? And loudly. The kingdom of God is here and now. And I'll tell you, you never underestimate the part that you are playing in God's kingdom on this planet. Do you know what I'm talking about? The influence that you have for God's kingdom. Never underestimate that. The reason that the death and the resurrection of Jesus is so important, so paramount, is that we are not able to discredit it because it's the largest act of love that's ever happened on this earth. And we claim Christ and believe in His death and bodily resurrection to be in His family. Hallelujah. Sometimes a lot of us may think that... uh, and I, I was just thinking about this as my wife and I were talking as we were heading back to, Las, uh, to Nevada, that many times we believe the world is headed for disaster. We look on the news, we see so many things. Are you ever overwhelmed by the news? And sometimes we think that the world's heading for disaster, but today we can remember that it's not only that, but heading towards redemption. Hallelujah. The Lord is redeeming. Don't you like redemption? 
You ever go to a party and you get one of those little tickets and you can redeem it for something? Hallelujah. If you have Jesus, let me tell you, you're redeeming the most important thing that will ever happen in the world. You're redeeming a place with Christ. Hallelujah. In heaven. Praise God. His power at work. What does His power do? Destroy sin. Don't you want sin destroyed out of your life? Have you recognized lately that you're a sinner? I recognize that all the time and I tell him, Lord, I am a sinner that needs you. When Christ enters a person's life, guess what happens? Sin is on notice. Don't you love that? You ever seen a notice on somebody's door? (laughs) And you think, ooh, what's happened over there? Well, I'll tell you one thing. When Christ is in your life, sin is on notice. Also, his power is at work creating new life. Don't you love that? Creating new life. Transformation. Aren't you glad that you are here today rather than out there in the world living the wrong way? Aren't you so thankful for that? Also, His power is at work preparing us for His second coming. Don't you believe it? It's time for us to never fall asleep, but be prepared. Amen. Our second point this morning is this. Death has forever been conquered. Don't you love that? People of God, don't you love that? Death has forever been conquered. When my friend John was passing away at Cedar sinai there in Beverly Hills area, and I've told you this story about him, but as he was there, I reminded him, this is not finality, John. He knows the Lord. This is not finality. And I told him right then and there, you are found in Christ Jesus. And He is overcome death and the grave. Praise God. The grave could not keep Jesus down. Aren't you glad? In fact, not even a tomb with the heaviest stone imaginable rolled in front of it, nor a guard placed in the front could keep Jesus down. Not even disbelief and doubts that came from his closest loved ones could keep Jesus from the path he had that would lead to resurrection. Jesus literally and physically resurrected and defied the very death grip. In fact, one can say that death was dealt a severe blow that day. When I was a kid, one of the most dangerous fists on earth was Mike Tyson's. You remember? And what did they call him? Iron Mike. And there was a time that sometimes someone couldn't even make it through the first round with that blow. But let me tell you, the blow that Jesus gave to death was even stronger. Hallelujah. You thought Iron Mike had a, had a tough right. Well, let me tell you, the Father had another idea. The heavens rejoiced as the Savior of the world rose and proved that He could not be stopped by death. Surely Lucifer and the demons, they shuddered in disbelief, trying to understand the confusion, trying to understand and piece together what this even meant. But friends, I'll tell you this morning, because of Jesus, death has no authority over us. Death has no victory over you. hundred years from now, you think any of us will be sitting here? I'll tell you where I'll be. And if you serve the Lord, I'll tell you where you'll be. You will be living victory in eternity. Amen? Amen. But you think, how can you say that? And I'll tell you, Scripture says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, 
you will be saved. And when you are saved in the name of Jesus, let me tell you something, that has eternity attached to it. I heard this week that Elon Musk is worth $250 billion. I don't even know if that number is true. Can you even stop and think about how many zeros is in that number? Well now, imagine how many zeros is attached to eternity. Can you understand what the Lord has done for you? Zeros that never end. Eternity. This is what the Lord has pulled off. You thought Elon was impressive. The Father goes far beyond. Hallelujah. Living forever. For Christians, when we pass away physically, let me tell you, we call that graduation day. Amen? We call that graduation day because that's when our real life begins. If you've ever gone to a Pentecostal funeral, it's not a sad thing. It's a party. Hallelujah. It's a celebration. Hallelujah. Third point this morning is this. We have Christ's authority to witness to this world. We have Christ's authority. There was one time at the Wynn Hotel, our boss told us that we were all going to deliver deliver business plan meetings. Is anybody here afraid of public speaking? Could you imagine being in a room and having to deliver a business plan and convey that to a team of, let's say, about 70 people in one of the ballrooms at the Wynn? Ooh, it was tough. And let me tell you, my, a friend of mine, she was so afraid that day. And you know what I told her? And I should have put the picture up. I have a picture of she and I on our way to that meeting. She was so afraid. But you know what I told her? I told her, speak like a champion. Even if you don't feel it, speak like a champion. Get in there with authority. Because you know why? You can do it. And that's what I told her. But let me tell you one thing. When it comes to witnessing to this world, you might think, you know what? I'm, in, I'm not qualified to talk about the Lord. I'm barely serving Him the right way. I spend so much of my day doing other things that out, without even giving the Lord a mindset. Now, you're telling me to go out and talk about the Lord? 120%. Absolutely, I'm telling you to do that. You remember the woman that was caught uh, in, in adultery? Or do you remember the other woman that was caught with the man that wasn't even her husband? And you know what happened by the end of the day? She went and she witnessed to the whole town and said, this Lord told me everything I ever did. He must be the Savior. She wasn't qualified to do anything but do what was in her heart, and that was to tell people about Jesus. One minute she's living in sin, and the next minute she's revolutionizing her whole town. Amen. God does that flip every time. You think he's going to give it to all the big shots that have been in seminary and all the degrees in Bible ministry to go out and talk about him? Absolutely not. What does he do? He's, he takes the sinners that you wouldn't even imagine would spend the rest of the evening leaving the boyfriend in the morning and, uh, and evangelizing the town in the evening in the same day. That's our God. That's our God. Part of the resurre- resurrection is to resurrect others. Part of what we are to do is to bring people from the dead and bring them to life. Amen. Jesus had to rise from the dead so that the Holy Spirit could come and empower His church. And I'll tell you this morning, the power and the authority to take the gospel 
forward the good news of Jesus to a planet that needs good news comes from our God. And this planet needs good news. Amen? Hallelujah. And the important message to plant in people's hearts is that God loved them so much that He gave His one and only Son to die on the cross. I couldn't imagine having to hand over my son to go get nails this afternoon and spend the day on a cross somewhere out here in one of these hills. I couldn't even imagine it. But our God did that for us. Our Father did that for us. What a blessing. And then what did He do? He raised Him from the dead. Hallelujah. So I'll tell you, if there's someone you can raise from the dead today, spiritually, get on that assignment. Amen? Don't let that assignment be canceled. Bring someone up with a message of the love, the death, and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Because the power and the authority from the Holy Spirit is given to us to speak boldly in His name. Do you like that word bold? My wife, her drink at Starbucks is a four-shot espresso. She call, it's a quad shot espresso with four pumps of vanilla and whipped cream. But let me tell you something. The four shots of espresso in that cup are what I would call bold. Ooh, it is strong. Honey, maybe you're Italian. She loves that espresso. But let me tell you, when it comes to this idea of boldness, even the sound of that word bold is powerful. It's commanding. And we are the ones that need to prepare to boldly speak out about Jesus. We are the ones that need to say, you know what? I know that we're not all perfect Christians, which is okay, amen? We don't have to be. But I'm not living the ideal Christian life. I'm not in a position to tell others about Jesus, you might say. Those are called lies. The Lord uses the things you would never even imagine to perpetuate his gospel. Paul, imprisoned Christians, watch them killed, ends up writing most of your New Testament. The things that the Lord chooses is unbelievable. So next time you think, I'm not qualified, I'm not there, I'm not living the life, on and on and on, you just tell your mind or you tell the devil, shut up in Jesus' name. I will speak about him regardless. You don't have to be perfect to love him enough to speak about him. You can love him so much that even in your weakness and faults, you can still speak about him and share him with others. Hallelujah. Maybe you feel embarrassed. You ever felt that way? I'm just too embarrassed. That means you're lacking that boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. What if the Lord was embarrassed to do what He did for us? Oh my goodness, could you imagine? He boldly spoke into human history and said, I'm going to lose my son for you. Maybe we need to pray more for boldness, amen? And the authority that's waiting for us. Then we can realize our importance and the message that we want to share with this world. It truly is a matter of life and death. Do you agree? Spiritual life and death is in the hands of you sharing with someone what Christ did for you and sharing your message with them of what God did for all of us. Amen. Our next point is this. Christ will rule His kingdom forever. 
Do you remember in The Wizard of Oz, the biggest scam that happened in that movie was that the wizard was just some goofball from Kansas and really wasn't some great and powerful wizard? Do you recall that moment? Do you remember when Toto grabbed that little, that little curtain and he pulled it away and, and Dorothy and all the others kind of looked around the corner and thought, what? This guy isn't who he says he is. And then he comes out realizing that the scam is up and says, all right, my balloon just went the wrong way. I landed here and they thought I was a big shot and I just went with it, but I'm really, <laughs> I'm really kind of afraid myself. Well, let me tell you one thing. When you look at this, Christ will rule his kingdom forever. There's an authenticity here that's beyond belief. And I'll tell you one thing. When it comes to what happened in Ukraine recently, within the last couple months, they're watching their kingdom get threatened, aren't they? They're watching Kiev or Kiev be attacked and their capital be threatened. When you think about President Zelensky, he's at this moment of trying to defend his own country and possibly lose their own kingdom. But I'll tell you one thing. When you think about Christ Jesus, friends, you'll never have to worry about Jesus losing control of his kingdom. Never once with the ascension of Christ Jesus into heaven as he ascended, he went to take that position of authority. And then Jesus proved he will rule his kingdom eternally. Because it says in scripture, he went and, sit and sat at the right hand of the Father like the big shot he is in a throne. Amazing. Scripture states that Jesus will rule forever and his kingdom will know no end. Do you believe it? And how can we be so sure that that's the case? How can we be assured that there's validity to the prophecies that have already come to pass? Betrayal by a friend, the forsaking of the disciples, false accusations, silence before the judges being proved guiltless, being included with sinners, being crucified, mockery of the spectators, the taunt of non-deliverance, the gambling of his garments, the prayer for his enemies, forsaken by the Father, bones not being broken, burial in a rich man's tomb. Christ fulfilled 332 distinct prophecies that were written before he even was born. Do you know what the probabilities are of that coming true in the life of one man? Have you ever heard of the odds of winning megabucks? This is even beyond that. Amazing. And this is the kind of Christ that we have ruling. Our last point this morning is this, before we finish this morning. The resurrection power of Christ is accessible. If he can rise, you can rise. Do you ever feel in your life that you need to be risen, hallelujah? Do you ever feel like there's things you need to overcome? Anybody here? Habits, favorite sins that we, you know, dabble with, all these things, and you feel, you know what, wait a minute, I'm not living in the resurrection power of Christ Jesus, and I want to. Don't you want to? God's resurrection power is available to us. You know, in luxury retail at the hotel, retailers play this game. All they have to do is withhold product 
withhold a watch, withhold a, a, a piece of jewelry. And you know what that does? It builds desire and people want what they can't get. These handbags that we sell at the hotel, all you have to do is withhold them. They might be there, we just pretend like it's not there. And guess what happens? That availability makes people really want something. Well, I'll tell you one thing. God doesn't play games like that. God makes His power available all the time, anytime, all day long. All you have to do is spend time with Him. Amen? Lord God, give me your power. Give me your power to serve you better. Give me your power to, to, uh, to make me, Lord God, more like your son Christ Jesus. Give me your power, Lord God, to stop being embarrassed. Give me your, Lord, uh, your power, Lord God, to, to make you proud. Hallelujah. Don't you want to make your father proud? I do. God's resurrection power is available. The crucifixion and the death of Jesus makes the death of our sin forever taken from us and washed away by the blood of Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus gives us power, hallelujah, for resurrected and renewed lives. I am so glad I'm not the Ryan of 20 years ago. I'm so glad I'm not the Ryan of 25 or 30 years ago. I'm so glad that now I need to live an example that shows what it's like to serve a God that loves all of us, amen? And I always want to point to Jesus, hallelujah. I want my life to point to Jesus. When people see me, I want them to see Jesus, amen? In my fallen, sinful life? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I don't need to be perfect. I just need to point people to the one who is perfect, amen? That's all I need to do. I haven't made it. He has. My resume ain't that good. His is the best. And I'll tell you, this is the truth of Christ Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus, he gives us power for resurrected and renewed lives. We apply the crucifixion to live in the resurrection. Hallelujah. God's power that brought Jesus back from the dead is here today in this room available to empower. He's not withholding. His resurrection power can take torn, beaten lives and transform them, transform them into lives of strength and victory. Don't you want to be people that are victorious? Don't you want to be the victorious? I can say assuredly that your life will have complete meaning and complete purpose only when you submit your life to Christ Jesus. I'm going to say that again. I can say 100% that your life will have complete meaning and purpose only when you submit your life to Christ Jesus. Take up the cross of Jesus. Until we have given up ourselves, like the people that are in the prison of want, until we have given up ourselves, our identity to Jesus, we will not have a real self. To save our lives, we must lose our lives put them to the side and serve christ jesus we must submit all of our life's ambitions our sin our pain everything that we withhold to death on the cross hand them over to the lord then and only then can we be raised from the dead hallelujah and live in the resurrection power of god almighty did you love c.s lewis you remember that movie uh the, what was it, Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia? 
C.S. Lewis wrote this, these words, Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. That's really amazing thing to say. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. And as I wrote down those words, I thought of this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah. Was blind, but now I see. And as we leave today, there's only one person I want you to see with your eyes. And that is Jesus risen from the dead. Amen. 2,000 years ago, a man was placed in a tomb. 2,000 years ago, a man was placed in a tomb, but it was not any man. God man. (laughs) One minister says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people have often said about Jesus. Something like this, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And the pastor says, that is one thing we must never say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not just be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or a deceiver. You must make your choice. Either this Jesus was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut Jesus up for a fool, you can spit at him, and you can kill him like they did that day on the cross. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and Savior. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. He is the living, risen Christ. Let's stand. I'll ask you today as we stand, what did you come here for today? Why did you come here today? What did you hope to find? What do you truly want? And I want you to want one thing. Christ Jesus in your life. Amen? Amen. You remember what those angels said? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Stop searching for dead things all around you with all the things that you think you might want and make that want for Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your goodness. May we truly only want you, Lord, because truly, Father, no matter what happens in this world, you are the ultimate concern of our hearts. And Father, if we don't feel that sentence is true today, then continue to tug on our hearts until we surrender to you, Lord. Continue to tug on our minds until we turn our mind towards you. Father, thank you for the love gift you gave us this day. Your Son, His body, you breathed life back into His nostrils that day, Lord. And He walked out of that grave victorious. The devil couldn't believe what you just did. You just gave death a blow. The biggest right hook 
on planet earth. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and thank you for the empowering power of your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. In Jesus' name, we are all very grateful and thankful to you, Father. Amen.